Thank you, Brent and the band. I told them between services, man, y'all are powerful today. We know that it's the Spirit of God that's working through them. And um, we, know that, we know that God is here. And that we know that God is at work in all of us. And I'm so thankful that, uh, that he doesn't leave the one that's stranded, but he's always going out trying to get that lost one. Because that little lost sheep is me. That little lost sheep is you. And he always goes to find the one. I love um, where it says hope is rising. I was telling uh, the first service, actually, if you're a middle school, high schooler, and you want to go now, you can go now to Next Gen in the connection room right across the hall. I was telling the first service um, that it's kind of like, I guess it's like Good Friday too, but it's kind of like a woman in labor. Now, I don't, I've learned not to say much about that because I've never experienced that. So don't, don't hate me right now, but it's like a woman in labor. If you were just to look at that, if you were just to look at a picture of a woman in labor, you're like, wow, that's terrible. That's painful. That's awful. And she would say, oh, that's true. But then what results from that is beautiful. And it's life. It's jubilee. And... Uh, I think that's how life is oftentimes. It says our, our sufferings and our pains and all of the crappy stuff that we experience and deal with, if you just look at it right there, it's not gonna seem like much, but it's birthing something beautiful. And God is always at work. God is at work now in all of our lives. And he's birthing something beautiful if we will allow him. Now, we always have the choice whether we allow God or not. But God is always at work and he always wants to do something beautiful. And so wherever you find yourself this morning, uh, it might seem like a good Friday. It might seem like labor pains. Um, And it feels that way, and it is. But know that something beautiful is coming as a result. Yeah. It's good stuff. Some of us like to look at you to see if the Holy Spirit's saying anything else. <laughs> I like, Rob, that's awkward. I know, isn't it great? <laughs> uh, Eaton's good to have you all, family and friends. Appreciate all of y'all. Great family. Uh, let's pray together one more time, and, and we'll jump into some, some more stuff today. God, we thank you for being such a great God. God, we thank you that you are um, one that always leaves the majority to come find that one little lost sheep that's just gone astray. And so, Father, thank you for finding me. Thank you for always coming back after me when I like to stray off. Thank you for coming after us individually. And thank you for the fact that your love is so infinite that you would have died for just one of us in this world. And God, I pray that you just remind us today that there is nothing so great. Um, There's nothing so significant that we can do and could have done to make you not love us. You just love us, that's who you are. So may we experience that more and more um, so that it will in turn, lead us to love you more and more. Father, I know you want to do some great work here, and not only in the next chapter, but all the churches in this world that are looking 
to bring your will on earth as it is in heaven. And so I just pray um, for all of us today that we recognize we're the body of Christ and you have placed us in specific areas to spread this great news. And so help us to do that. And we'll give you all the credit for what you do in our lives, God. We thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I meant to grab a couple of these before I came up because I thought I would need them, and I do. Um, well, we're starting this last message of this series, Spread the Great News. And um, I'm excited about it because towards the end we'll look at some practical application of what this might look like. But I've been kind of excited, and I don't always know what it looks like. Um, but from the very beginning of the forming of next chapter, I always thought, like, I don't know how, and I don't know what, what it looks like, but I know God wants to use this group, as he does all the other churches, to make a difference in the world. I don't know what that looks like, but I don't have to know what it looks like. I just know that's what God wants to do, and so we're going to talk about that in some, um, some very practical ways here in just a second. And we've been looking at other ways to spread the great news. Last week, we looked at the family spiritual rituals uh, or in other relationships of spiritual rituals uh, that could really help us. And uh, today, I want to look at, at least starting off, the Apostle Paul. He's actually uh, evangelizing to a bunch of Greek people in the city of Athens. And I want us to look at his evangelistic style real quick um, as we think about our own culture. But it's in Acts chapter 17. And we've been talking about this series, how after COVID, things have fundamentally shifted quite a bit. Uh, and I don't know that church will ever be the same. I don't know that we will ever be the same. And at first you're like, oh gosh, things are changing. But I think that might be a really good thing. I think God is doing a new thing. And he's inviting us to be a part of it and get involved in it. But it does look different. And we talked about that there was a time in our culture where the attractional church God still uses and will use, but it's come and we invite people come to our services and we have these cool services and lights and fog and all that. And there's nothing wrong with that. God uses that. Thank God he does. Uh, but I think we're living in an era where people aren't necessarily looking for that anymore. They're looking for something else. They're looking for authenticity. They're looking for community, which is what the church is. So what does that look like kind of in our day and time? So I'm going to look at Paul real quick. Uh, Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 16. It says this, <clears throat> while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, a couple of his travelers, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So Paul was waiting for a couple buddies. He's in the city of Athens. He's walking around and he just sees a bunch of idols that they worshiped. And then picking up in verse 22, it said, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus which was like this stadium-type venue where a lot, of the, uh, a lot of the philosophers would have debates. And so Paul was addressing the people of Athens. Uh, he says, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. So real quick, one of, the, one of the, his styles in evangelism is this. So Paul was uh, a monotheistic Jew, 
which means, which is what we are. We believe there's one God, Yahweh God, there's one God. And so there wasn't much more repulsive and um, gross to a first century Jew than idol worship. That was like one of the worst things you could do. And so Paul's walking around seeing all these idols, and we have to imagine that Paul's thinking, oh my gosh, this just is sickening. It makes me sick to my stomach. It's stuff like a lot of us say today. It's just sickening what's going on. It's sick. And, uh, and so he's going around, he's like, oh. But look what he does. He gets up and says, people of Athens, you bunch of lousy. He doesn't say that. He doesn't get spiritually superior to them and talk down to them. He doesn't go on a tirade and say, how could you? This is despicable and repulsive. He doesn't do that. He doesn't try to guilt them or shame them anyway. Matter of fact, what does he do? He compliments them. What? Why would you do that, Paul? You're a man of God, Paul. He says, listen, I see that you're very religious. <laughs> and you know what his mind, he's thinking, gag me with a maggot. You're very religious. But he doesn't say, so I can see you're very religious. I see all your gods. I see all that. But there's one particular God that's inscribed to the unknown God. I want to talk to you about that God. And he goes on to spread the great news of the Messiah, of Jesus. But he compliments that, hey, I can see that you're very religious. So the biggest lesson in that, we'll, we'll keep going, is when dialoguing with people who aren't believers in Jesus, or even if they put your personal convictions away. Uh, put your feelings and your opinions and your judgments away like Paul did. He put them all aside. That was very offensive to Paul, but he put them all aside and began to look for where God is at work and find an opening, something that you can affirm. I see y'all are very religious, but there's one God that I want to talk to you about. He found one opening, one positive thing. He's like, I want to talk about that unknown God, and his name is Jesus. And so he goes in there. So in all of our discussions, may we find some commonality. There's always going to be lots of things to disagree with, always. But may we find some commonality so that we can see where God is at work. So pick it up in verse 24. He says this. Paul's still teaching, preaching to the Athenians. He said, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, talking about Abraham, from one man, all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this, listen to this, so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. That's a quote, I'll tell you in a second. As some of your poets have said, another quote, we are his offspring. So what is Paul doing here? First he's saying God is at work. And God has always been at work so that some would seek him, perhaps reach out for him and find him. Because he's not as far as you think he is. That's a good word for us this morning. God is always at work. It might not look like it. You might be in Athens with a bunch of idols, but God is always at work. And Paul quotes two of their own philosophers and poets 
You're like, well, Paul, you're just disappointed. You're not even using the Bible. But here's the thing. The Bible's not their authority. So why would he use something that's not their authority in order to reach them? He's using their own prophets and their own philosophers to reach them because that's their authority. Because he's realizing God is at work everywhere, even in these pagan philosophers. So let's build a bridge to what's common here so that we can talk and spread the great news. Here's the thing. Whenever we talk about world religions, um, I don't believe they're all the same. We're not all trying to do the same. There's very big differences. Some of them are just very bad differences. But here's the thing with having said that. You will usually find some sort of truth in all of them. I'm not saying they're all truth. I'm just saying you will find some sort of truth. And I think what Paul encourages us here is like, hey, try to find some point of commonality. Try to find some type of truth. And Paul's speaking to the pagans and finds truth in their own authorities and uses that. Um, I was telling first service, it's kind of like if you go to some venues downtown, and, um, and I'm not making fun, I'm just saying I don't think this is effective. Is the street preachers? Now, at one point, now I will say this, good for them. Like they have a conviction that they should go and preach and tell everybody they're going to hell. There's a conviction there. It's like, wow, that's conviction. I don't think that works very well, but there's a conviction there. And so I'm like, gosh, that's impressive. Uh, But on one hand, now there might have been a time that that worked when maybe America was more centered over the Bible being authority. I don't think that time is now. I think people don't care what the Bible, a lot of times people don't care what the Bible is. So to stand up there and quote scripture and preach and tell them they're going, I just don't know how effective that is. But I think when we dialogue with other people, especially those who aren't followers of Jesus, may we look for ways that God is already showing up in their life because God is always at work. See, when I was growing up, we thought, oh, we're going to be a missionary to Africa. We're going to take Jesus to the Africans. We're so, we're so humble and great. And you realize, like, no, 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 no. God's already with the Africans, and he's already moving there. Um, maybe you're going to partner with God, and, they're going to, and he's going to partner with them to teach you, but you're not taking Jesus anywhere. Um, and so find out what, what ministers to people, what speaks to people, because that's probably where God's moving in their life. What music moves them? What movies move them? What books or art um, Those are good areas that God may be moving and working in their life. And here's what I want us to know. Wherever wherever there is ministering life, whenever there is life being ministered or wholeness or goodness, it's something to build on because that's of God. Something that's whole whole and good and, and ministering life, full of life, that's God at work. God has always been at work trying to get people to hunger after him. So here's what's cool about the Bible and what Paul's talking about. The Bible tells us one great story, and it's a beautiful story, and it's a story that we will always tell. It's the story of salvation. It's the story of taking Abraham and making him a great nation that becomes Israel, that then uh, births a Messiah, Jesus, who then defeats hell and sin and death and is resurrected after his crucifixion and gives us all hope. It's a beautiful, true story, and it's one that we got to continually tell. But the purpose of the Bible is not to tell you all the ways that God is at work. That is one beautiful way that God is at work. But you realize God is always and is always at work right now this morning. 
We might, we're not going to have another Bible. It might not be written down, but God is always at work. And so I, I know just, yeah, I won't go into detail, but just yesterday, um, I saw several instances where God was at work. And so may we realize this is a beautiful story, but the whole purpose is not to have an exhaustive list of how God has worked because God's always working. And so once in a while, we get little reminders of this. Look at this. This is an unusual passage, but Amos chapter 9, verse 7. And then we're going to go into some good practical stuff. Amos 9, 7. God is speaking. says, are not you Israelites the same to me as the Cushites? See, the Israelites were getting pretty haughty, like we're God's people. And they were God's people. But aren't you the same to me as the Cushites, declares the Lord? Did I not bring Israel up from Egypt? Why, yes, you did. Uh, well, the Philistines did I not bring the Philistines up from Kaftor? And did I not bring the Arameans from Kerr? Well, yeah. I, yeah, I know that I called Israel for a unique mission, but I love my people all the same. See, you, you think I just love you, Israel? I love you. I don't love you any more than I love everybody else. You're called for a unique mission. But do you not realize, just like I called you out of Egypt, I've, I delivered the Philistines out of the oppression of, the, of Kaphtor. I delivered the Arameans out of the oppression from Kerr. And here's what's interesting. We don't really even know about that story. It's just a little nugget say God was at work there too. They might not even know that God was delivering them. But it's just to say, hey, I'm working all the time. You may not have a story written about it in the Bible, but just as I delivered the Philistines and the Arameans, which through the Old Testament, these were two of Israel's arch enemies. This is so awesome. Philistines and the Arameans were two of Israel's uh, arch enemies, which tells us this. Whoever you would consider your biggest enemy, know that God loves them as much as he loves you. Oh, that'll humble you. No, surely not. Yes, surely he does. And just as much as God is at work in your greatest enemy, just as much as God is at work in you as much as possible, God is at work in your greatest enemy's heart as much as possible. That's who God is. Now, we can always decide whether we're going to let God work in our life or not. But I love that story. So here's the thing. Wherever you see people getting set free from bondage, God is at work there. Um, but rather, no scripture verses mentioned. I, I know, but God's at work there. Uh, wherever you see justice being confronted, um, confronting injustice, God is at work there. <laughs> Whenever you see people having a discussion instead of shooting each other, God is at work there. That sounds silly, but God is at work there. Wherever you see love overcoming hatred, God is there. Wherever you see truth replacing error, God is there. God is always working, trying to get people to hunger and search for him. Paul also tells us this. This is huge. He says that we are God's co-workers. Look in 2 Corinthians 6, 1. He says, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. And this one's convicting for me, saying, hey, you are God's co-workers, which means um, we all have a work. We all have work or energy or a say-so, some people say. Um, and that word co-workers means to come alongside and work. 
And so he said, hey, do you not know as people of God, you are to come alongside, take your energy in your work and put it in line with God's energy in God's work and accomplish his will on earth as it is in heaven. That's what you're to do is to come alongside of God. And so we have a say-so in what happens in our world. And here's what's crazy. It's by God's own design that God needs us to play this role. God set it up this way. He set it up to where he needs you and he needs me to accomplish his will. We are the body of Christ. The Bible says we are the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. We are the only body that Jesus has on this earth right now. He used to be here, but he's not here anymore. We're the only body that Jesus has. So we are to take our energy and our work and work with God. Can you imagine um, if, and some of you can, because some of you have some disabilities. Can you imagine um, if, I, if my legs didn't work or I had no legs or I had no arms or I had no eyes, how much I would get done? My body's in my head wouldn't say, yeah, right, why don't we go and run a marathon? Well, I, don't, I can't. I don't have any legs. I feel like that's what it is with the body of Christ. Jesus said, hey, I want you all to co-work with me, but I ain't got any hands and legs. You are the hands, and you are the legs, and you are the feet. So come alongside of me, and I will empower you to accomplish what I'm calling you to do. So that gives our life purpose and matter. It gives us our life matters because of that. Because here's the thing. There are people who could be impacted but will not be impacted if you and I don't use our say-so to work with God. There are people who will not feel loved if we do not go and love them as Christ has loved us. Our life matters. Our say-so matters. And so, will we partner alongside of God? I I asked him if I could share this, and he does not do this for the applause, but my buddy Randy Manning over there. Randy, where'd you go? Raise your hand real quick. Yeah, he's a good-looking guy. Now, he is 44. 44? Yeah, he's getting older, though, people. That's getting old, really. (laughs) He's always been about nine years younger than me. I've never gotten over that, but he's 44 now, so that's good. Uh, But Randy, uh, I love him. He's, He's a true brother, but on our men's group on Thursday night, he told us a few weeks ago on his birthday, and he'll do this from time to time. He'll Time to time, just go buy some pizzas and take it downtown and give them away to folks who look like they might need some food or he'll ask them if they need food. So on his birthday a few weeks ago, he's like, you know what? I think I'm going to go and deliver some pizzas. So we went and bought some pizzas, took them downtown, took it, gave them away. Hey, are you hungry? Yeah, here's pizza. Well, this one guy said, hey, are you hungry for some pizza? He's like, well, actually what I really could use is a wheel, a new wheel for my walker. I can't get around here with this thing. You know, what I would have been tempted like, oh, I'm just giving pizzas away, bro. I'm out of here. But Randy, you know what Randy did? He took his walker. He says, well, let me see if I can fix that. So he took his walker, took it down to Ace Hardware in Newport. Here's the cool part of the story. Uh, I don't know if Paul Wiggins here today. Uh, but Paul Wiggins' son, Vance, works at Ace Hardware. Randy saw Vance working. and said, Vance, I don't know if you know me, but I go to church with your dad. And he said, I got this wheel. I don't know what to do with it. Vance looked at it and said, oh, you need a bearing for that wheel. So took him, got him all set up, got the wheel fixed. And then Randy took that walker back to that old fella. And he was just so thankful that now he can get around on this walker. Yeah, isn't that good? <laughs> yeah. Now, 
Don't take Randy's reward. That's not his reward. <laughs> Don't play no. and, and I say that to say this. Our goal, our job is to partner alongside of God with what God is doing. It is not to pray the prayer, the sinner's prayer with every person we come in contact with. If that happens, great. But our job is just to plant the seed. God's job is to water it and bring a harvest. All I'm saying is as we go through our days, you have no idea what one small wheel of a walker that God might be using and planting in that person's life. But he prompts it on your spirit. And the reason that's important is this. Um, the reason it's important to listen to the spirit is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. He says this. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit with them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Why is it important for us to really stay in step with the Holy Spirit? Because he knows the heart of God. He knows the ways of God. So when he prompts you in something, it might seem like a no big deal to you, but God is always at work in people's lives. You don't know what it's going to do, but we got to be willing to step out. Um, so what does that look like? And I'll get ready to lay in this plane here in a second. Um, there is, I, I, I was listening to her talk a little bit. There's this pastor, her name is Chris Beckert, and she's a pastor, but she also works for this organization called Fresh Expressions. And Fresh Expressions is just an organization that encourage regular people, ordinary people like you and me, to go and do church out there. So um, taking church from here to out there. Now let me say this, we're, it's still important to do church here. So we're not saying we're scrapping this and we're going out there, uh, but I want us to do both and. I want us to both, we are the church, so we come together on Sundays in community, but we also are going to be the church out there. And so be listening to what the Holy Spirit might be stirring in your spirit. What does that look like, Rob? Well, here's some examples that she threw out. And I think it's interesting because I think the percentage is like 60% um, of people will never come to a church service. That's okay. So if they're not ever going to come to a church service, now we want them and we want them to be a part of the community and we want them to know the love of God and who God is. But if they never come to a church service, then we've got to take the church out there. We got to be the church out there. That's the whole call to spread the great news. You can't do it if 60% of the world's not going to ever be a part of this thing. And so it's going and taking the church out there. And so what does that look like for some of them, people who are already doing yoga? They're in places of the country. There's yoga church. Well, they go and they do yoga and they get together regularly and they do a church and some spiritual emphasis and meaning there. Some folks are just going to a restaurant and having a meal together regularly and they'll do some spiritual practices there at the restaurant. Some, some who are really into tattoos, um, I, I'd like to get one one day. I just don't know what to get yet, so be careful. Look out. But for those, that they, they, they have a tattoo parlor church where they come together. I don't know if they get a tattoo every week, but they come together and they're centered around the, the tattoo parlor and the community there. For some, it's at a dog park. She says some are doing a dog park church. 
For some that like to work out, there's a guy that's doing a CrossFit church at the gym. Part of their gatherings is they work out together, and then they go and serve together uh, and meet needs in the community. Um, I think it's all thinking of ourselves differently. That we are Christians, which means sent ones. We are sent ones. And God has sent us in neighborhoods and in schools and work and families, uh, communities on purpose. And so how might we spread this great news with the people that we're already with? Forming church where you are. For those who like outdoors, you can do an outdoor church. So there's a hiking church. They like to go on hikes together. Um, and then there's some who like movies. So maybe you go and watch a movie together and then talk about some spiritual discussion afterwards. Uh, but I think the idea is like, how can we meet people where they are and develop relationships and have a church community um, and to be able to love people and spread the love of God with them? And you're like, you might think, well, Rob, how do you start something like that? I would encourage you this. First of all, may we pray because the Holy Spirit is already at work. The Holy Spirit is already at work, designed for people to seek God and to know God. So pray and listen to what the Spirit might be stirring up in you. The second thing is, look at your context. You don't have to take somebody else's idea. You might come up with a whole different idea. But look in the context that you find yourself. If you're a mechanic and you don't like hiking, don't do a hiking thing. You know, what, what is, what's your context? And then look at how are you wired? What do you connect with? And then some of the things you might want to do, I, I, this is what she said, I really like this. It's important to start with a need, a network, or a neighborhood as your focus. So find out if there's any needs around you. Maybe go prayer walking in your neighborhood. And pray for the folks that you see out walking. Pray for the houses and those people in their houses. Look around at their yards and their driveways and see what you can observe. And if there's any needs there. Or maybe just ask questions to people. Hey, are there any needs in this community? Anything you would change in this community? Um, one example that she mentioned, I was like, gosh, there's something in my heart about that. And I'll say this too. Um, Sally Willingham, who's our outreach director, we will be offering stuff throughout the year too. So you'll hear more about that. So we will always be offering things as a church, but I'm talking in addition to that, you personally going and being the missionary where God has placed you. So for some, they went to a local elementary school and found out one of the biggest needs, kind of talking about like I did last week, was um, families aren't getting together and having meals. So they had a family dinner church at the elementary school. They would provide dinner for parents and kids that could come together. They'd eat from 6 to 6.30 and have a program from 6.30 to 7 where they'd share a Bible story, they'd do a craft and discussion. They did that once a month. That was a family dinner church. Um, may we dare to dream a little bit of how we can co be co-workers with God. He's given us the Holy Spirit to lead us. And so be looking around for the need and the network and the neighborhood. And I'll tell you, church, I think this is part of how God is calling us to make a difference in the world. Can you imagine, just look around you this morning, just us, the potential that is here to influence the world in just our relationships, just this group right here. 
and God's looking for a body. That's how he set it up. He needs, he needs some people. So maybe we continue just to take the great news and spread the great news and try to figure out how we can apply this right where we are. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for um, what we learned from Paul the Apostle. Um, Father, forgive me, forgive us when um, it's been easier just to not do anything than to do something. I pray that you just give us a spirit of, of obedience and desire and adventure that we'll just step out. Even if we fail, God, you're going to make something of it. And so would you just use us? Would you help us to follow you? Would you help us to listen to the still small voice and the promptings and just move when you say to move? And God, may we rise up different churches in our neighborhoods and networks, wherever there may be a need, God, place it in our heart and we will, we will give you the glory. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. Um, we always like to close with a song. It's a great prayer. This song is a great song to close on. The prayer is, God, I will... I'll follow you wherever you want to take me. I'll follow you. May that be our prayer. Uh, we always have prayer ministers on each side of the stage. If you want to come up and you want to be prayed for for anything, um, they would love to pray with you. If you want to come and just pray, we can make this stage an altar. You can just come and pray by yourself or with someone. Um, but I really just want us to be open to whatever God's doing in this time. So let's stand together if you would and let's close out with a song.